Hi, everyone. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. It's Sunday, December 24th, 2023, the 13th day of Tevet, 5784. Recording this a couple days early because I have a very busy week. Solidarity mission coming in for One Israel Fund. We're going to be all over the place. But I didn't want to disappoint my listeners and leave you without me for the week. So, um, but not just anyone that I'm interviewing. Um, I'm talking to Dr. Stephen Herman, who also happens to be a friend. Uh, but in addition to that, senior thoracic surgeon, let's see if I get all these right, at Maimonides Medical Center, the associate professor of surgery at ICANN School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York, associate professor at SUNY Downstate University, and a couple more. Um, what I wanted to talk to Steve about and what I wanted you guys to hear about was um, his. he was in Israel a couple of months ago, and he was practicing medicine here uh, during the war and uh, on soldiers and on others. So, Steve, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you, Eve. Uh, so, Ashkelon, the war breaks out, uh, obviously, October 7th, and um, you were here, you came in. Well, well, what happened 11 weeks ago? Well, 11 weeks ago, we knew on October 7th that something terrible was going to happen. Right. Uh, and... I initially contacted uh, a friend of mine, who was also somebody who I had trained while I was at, at Mount Sinai, who is now presently Chief of Thoracic Surgery in Shari Tzedek in Jerusalem, Dr. Professor Dr. Danny Fink. And uh, he had actually told me that right now everything was fine in Israel, that they don't really need any, any help because everything was solid. Um, I had, we then, my wife and I then, we went over to Europe because we knew that if anything should change, that getting to Israel from America might be complicated. And so we actually went to Europe, and we, uh, and we were in uh, Germany. Uh, and until finally a call did come uh, from Danny through the Ministry of Health, that indeed there was a need for thoracic surgeons, mm-hmm. and uh, that they would, uh, were wondering whether I would be willing to come to Israel and be deployed to, to, uh, Bar- uh, to Ashkelon at the Barzillai Medical Center. Now, you've been doing this for a while, right? You've had permission to, not everybody can just pick up and practice medicine in another country, right? So you've already had a license to practice in Israel, despite the fact living in America for a while? Yes. What, what, I was uh, relatively unique, and that was why I think I was one of the first uh, practicing right. surgeons to uh, come over. Uh, the, as I mentioned, Dr. Fink uh, was one of my trainees at Mount Sinai when he was learning his craft. And he came over to Israel and, and became, uh, became a junior attending at Sharet Tzedek. And then he had invited me a number of times, along with their leadership, to come as a visiting professor to Jerusalem. Uh, and then ultimately, after I'd come a few times, they thought it would be better, even that if I were able to participate in surgeries with their junior faculty and, and residents, and that would enhance my uh, abilities to, uh, to teach them. Mm-hmm. And so Danny and Sharet Sedek uh, worked with the Ministry of Health. And about five, five or six years ago, I was fully credentialed by the Ministry of Health to do surgery. And I've come over to Israel a few years before COVID. Obviously, COVID put a stop to uh, for a short uh, interregnum. Right. Uh, and then and I operated at Sharet Sedek with, uh, with the team for a number of years. And so I was fully and fully credentialed already. Mm-hmm. which actually uh, allowed me to come to Israel and uh, function as a surgeon much quicker 
because all the other people who were who are volunteering and there are quite a number. Yes, there was a tremendous outcry of, and support from both American and foreign doctors wanted help Israel, but they needed to have their credentials vetted. Mm -hmm. uh, and mine had already been. And so right. I was sort of ready to go from the get go. So for those who aren't familiar, thoracic surgery is what exactly? Uh, it's surgery of the chest, which means everything that the chest includes. So that goes from the neck down to the uh, upper abdomen. So it includes the heart, the major blood vessels in the chest, the lungs, the esophagus, the food pipe, the windpipe, mm -hmm. and all the other structures that pass through the chest into the abdomen. Mm -hmm. So in your regular practice, I mean, your, your mainstay is like someone who needs a more or less scheduled or has like a heart problem as opposed to what you're dealing with here in Israel, which is people who have been injured in a, you know, it's not a health issue. It's the fact that some very blunt and very quick moving object struck them. Is that, is that what happened here? Is that the difference? Uh, yes, we do a lot of elective surgeries like open heart surgery mm -hmm. and things of that sort, cancer surgery on both the food pipe and on the, uh, lung cancer and things of that sort and tumors right. of the chest. Right. But also there are other issues that are more urgent, uh, like uh, trauma. We do see trauma in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, it, yeah. it's, a, it's becoming more and more common, mm -hmm. both, uh, although high velocity, uh, high velocity bullet injuries like coming from uh, assault rifles are not that common. We see low velocity handguns. We see knife wounds occasionally. Mm -hmm. We also see other uh, non-trauma inflicted emergencies such as a ruptured a food pipe or a, a collapsed lung. Right. These are all things that can be uh, uh, done by trauma, yet also can become come naturally. Mm -hmm. So uh, these things are all part of the actual process. And over my years as a, as, a, as a practicing thoracic surgeon, I've dealt with all of these. So when they ask you to, yeah, go ahead. So when they ask you to come to Israel, though, are they asking you to deal with what's happening with the war, meaning soldiers who are getting injured, or are they asking you to take over the things that are still happening to the regular population? People are still have need lung surgery and all that so that other surgeons can focus on, you know, what's happening because of the war. It's essentially where you are deployed. Okay. Uh, uh, Israel does not have a military hospital system. Uh, as you know well, um, what so uh, here in America you'd have we have civilian hospitals, we have military hospitals. Injured hospitals, patients from from wars will go to a, uh, a a military to a military facility and then transfer to a a secondary or tertiary care med, uh, military facility. So in 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 a civilian hospital like all of most of us practice in America, we don't really see military issues. In Israel, it's quite different, uh, being a different population, different size military, et cetera. It's the civilian hospitals that take care of the military injuries. So, if so, depending on where the actual war process or the injury occurs, or where the hospital is, you will see a different relationship. And for instance, in a hospital in Jerusalem, which is somewhat central, not near any uh, of the borders where there is incursions you're not gonna to see too many fresh war injuries mm -hmm. other than the, the terrorist attacks that occur with right. on the streets or whatever. Uh, however, uh, in Barzillai and Ashkelon, we were the closest hospital to Gaza. We right. were within five or seven miles of the Gaza border. Uh, this was 
basically ground zero of all the rocket attacks. And uh, this uh, this uh, this hospital, Barzilai, as well as Soroka and Beersheba, were the two main closest hospitals where all the injuries were deployed. So my job, when I first got there, was before the incursion. And so there were a few uh, cases that needed to be done in the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, uh, just for sick people, patients who had lung tumors, patients who had maybe uh, a collection of fluid around the heart, which was preventing the heart from working well. Okay. These are all types of cases that I took care of um, with Dr. Panamak Panamorenko, who was a thoracic surgeon at that hospital with whom I teamed. Okay. So wait, this is before October 7th. This was before. This was, no, this was there. after October 7th. Oh, after. Okay. This was, I arrived in Israel uh, the last week or, uh, last week or week and a half of, of October. Okay. The Gaza incursion did not occur until right. like uh, the last week of October. Mm-hmm. And then I stayed through uh, uh, early November. Okay, so the, yeah, so I want my listeners to understand. So on October 7th, we have a lot of the injured from the actual attack by Hamas. But then there are a few weeks where the army is calling in the reserves and they are getting ready to go into Gaza. And only then does the army actually go in. Okay. And by then, you, by then you're here. I was, I was there after October 7th, but before mm-hmm. the incursion. Right. So, I, so we had basically two, two phases or two types of experiences. Uh, the experience that I had initially was arrival. We had a few patients still hospitalized uh, from uh, from the kibbutzim and also some soldiers who were injured during the initial uh, uh, Hamas October seventh contact and the massacres. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I helped take care of some of these patients. I can we'll dis- I can discuss a few interesting cases as we okay. as we go. Uh, yeah, if you can, obviously no names, but whatever you can talk about. And then right? and, then, and, and, and nothing identifying. And, no. uh, and, and, sec- and then we also were doing some relatively minor procedures because uh, we did ne- we won, we never knew when the incursion would be and when we would be influxed with, uh, uh, with injured soldiers. Mm-hmm. And also there were constantly rockets flying around. Right. Uh, especially in that region, and you never knew when a mass casualty uh, inj- uh, uh, situation would occur, where you would need the ICU beds and emergency operating room. So all along, major significant operations that would normally be done, big long cancer operations, heart surgery, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, were, were not done in most of all, in most of all of the Israeli hospitals, and they, these were put on on hold, and the only procedures were done were some of these life-saving or easy, quick procedures that did not require intensive care space and did not require uh, operate, long-term operating room uh, time, so as to allow us to be ready to, uh, uh, to react to an emergency. Mm-hmm. And so that, that is sort of what we did. It was actually relatively quiet, as you could expect, because right. uh, luckily Iron Dome was very efficient. And although uh, the, not for lack of the Hamas for trying, because a, a missile the missiles were flying uh, all multiple times a day, mm-hmm. and this was the first time I had been under attack. And I sort of uh, learned so, uh, that was a new experience, both in my hotel at night after my shift, and also while I was in the hospital. We uh, we were uh, we were uh, the sirens were were uh, almost constant. And I think it's half a minute. That's the only uh, thirty seconds. Yes, yeah. actually, yeah. they put me uh, in a hotel, not in Ashkelon. Ashkelon was primarily evacuated, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was put into a hotel in Ashdod, which is about a 15-minute drive north of Ashkelon. 
And uh, in, in, uh, in, Ash in Ashdod, at the hotel, we had 30 seconds. Uh, the Ashkelon was even sooner, 15 right. to 20 seconds was the Ashkelon uh, time. So we didn't have much time. So you learn to move along and do your normal daily tasks relatively quickly because you didn't want to get caught uh, during a siren in a situation where you couldn't get out to your shelter. Right, exactly. So, okay, the incursion starts and everything changes. So then the incursion starts. And then, um, actually, I remember very vividly, this is one of the uh, most interesting things. Is uh, I used to uh, come into the hospital, uh, Dr. Panamarenko, who was my uh, a colleague there, uh, who was an Israeli uh, thoracic surgeon, you know, used to pick, pick, we were a team, we teamed up, and he would pick me up at my hotel. His uh, his living was also in this area, so he also drove into the hospital. It was very, relatively convenient, so we, he would pick me up at about 6 a.m. every morning, and then we would come into the hospital, and then as we were coming into the hospital this day, uh, we um, were uh, alerted on our on our phones, which, which was all attuned to the hospital, that uh, the incursion had begun, and we had casualties, and uh, go straight to the emergency room to await. Mm -hmm. And this was something relatively unique, because when I got there, we had essentially the entire hospital staff by the uh, emergency room uh, bay, uh, awaiting the uh, you know awaiting the ambulances that were coming in with uh, with uh, injured soldiers. And uh, and and every it, it was it was uh, an incredible sight because. Uh, something different than we have in America in in these in the Israeli hospitals at these emergency things. Everybody's wearing a vest which labels their role, so you know exactly who is what: anesthesia surgeon, thoracic surgeon, uh, uh, orthopedist, psychologist, a nurse, uh, whatever. Everybody has a a, 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 a a sign on their back, so everybody knows immediately who they are, what they are. And uh, and it actually organizes things much better. This is something I should, I'm I'm taking back to my uh, to my to my system. And then there are many things that sometimes you learn. Mm -hmm. And then and the and the anticipation and the eagerness to help, uh, which was on everybody's face. And as everybody as the as literally 100, 100 and 150 people of the hospital staff were there waiting to take care of their injured brother whom they've never seen before but who was their relative it was it was a very moving moving scene i took a photo uh, which i have which i'm going to put up because this is a, one of the most memorable uh, events of, of 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 my time there was the the waiting and the everybody as a team as a family to take care of our own mm -hmm. okay i'll just compose myself for a second it was a tough weekend here in Israel. We lost 15 soldiers. So, um, okay, so the, they start coming in. And what kind of injuries are you seeing in the main or all types? Well, m most of, many of these injuries were penetrating injuries, which means things that shouldn't be in oh, your wow. body got in or got through. Mm -hmm. And uh, shrapnel was, was a major. Uh, these are from various explosives where little particles penetrate. They're like mini bullets. Some some of them can be small, like your thumbnail, or or and another, or even smaller, and others can be quite large. Mm -hmm. um, those were from various explosives that uh, you know and th that penetrate. Uh, we saw also obviously uh, uh, bullet wounds right. uh, coming from the uh, from high powered uh, automatic weapons, AK forty sevens, things of that sort. Um, we saw. Um, 
that we saw blunt injuries. There was uh, one particular fellow I remember, uh, a, a tank uh, commander who actually fell off his tank, and these are quite high. He mm -hmm. broke eleven or eleven or so ribs, mm -hmm. which is you know wow. quite a devastating injury plus other orthopedic injuries. So we saw fractures, um, and then and then bullet wounds that that, that traverse other parts of the body. So these mm -hmm. were most of the uh, the types of injuries that we uh, we saw. So uh, maybe a naive question, how, how, and I guess that's part of what the triage is, how do you decide what to work on first? I mean, you're the guy for the chest, but let's say they're coming in with a tourniquet because, you know, the legs are bleeding profusely or whatever it is, a lot of injuries were to lower bodies. Are they doing surgery simultaneously or does somebody make the decision that the heart, you know, the, the chest injury is life-threatening, the other thing can wait? What, what happens in these literally seconds or very few minutes when you're all there, you mentioned all these experts are there. How are these decisions made? Well, it's usually the emergency, uh, the emergency room doctors are, are, are there making the initial decisions along mm -hmm. with the specialties depending on, on the injury itself. Right. And that is that is basically the uh, the art of triage, which means uh, this uh, uh, deciding uh, priorities and, uh, and 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 actually what the treatment is going to be. Mm -hmm. Many times, uh, just because you have a penetrating injury doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to the operating room. OK, uh, if patients are, are actually actively bleeding or have um, injuries. Uh, or that are that are that require immediate cessation. I mean, those are are, are priority ones. Mm -hmm. So uh, and that and those would go first. Uh, then there are those that are penetrating uh, that have to be fixed. But perhaps let's say an abdominal wound where the bullet goes through intestine and makes holes and things of that sort, but it doesn't hit a uh, a, a structure that's carrying blood and you're not bleeding to death. Mm -hmm. Well, that is something that has to be fixed. The the holes have to be closed. Otherwise, you're not going to survive. Uh, but that, but that can wait. You know, that can wait an hour, forty-five minutes. Right. Uh, yes, it's better to do it right away. But if you wait an hour or two uh, while somebody's uh, who's bleeding to death is fixed, right. you're, you're you're not going to be impacted so much. Mm -hmm. So that would have a sort of a lesser, uh, lesser thing. And then there are others that will won't require any operating room at all. But for instance, fractures or this or that. Right. And they would be set by their specialists in, in some other areas. What is what is your opinion of of these? I mean, I assume you're mainly working with Israelis. There aren't that many volunteers as such as yourself there at the time. Like, what can you tell us about? Unfortunately, they have so much experience now about you know the Israeli emergency room doctors and the other specialists that you've worked with. Well, I, I think they are very calm and and very incredibly competent. And they mm -hmm. know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 uh, there, when I was there, there was one other uh, an American anesthesiologist from the five towns uh, who did some uh, work with their anesthesia team. And then I was the only uh, at the time, the only uh, surgical, uh, you know, hands on surgical person. Mm -hmm. uh, and and um, but everything worked very efficiently. We teamed up so that uh, and we also had residents. Interesting. Some of the residents were were uh, Israeli Arabs. My one, my one of one of the fellow who assisted me on a number of cases was a fellow by the name of Mohammed. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, and then just to be sure, let everybody know that Israeli citizens, whether they were Jewish, Christian, right. uh, or or, is, Muslim, or, or, or Islam, they mm -hmm. all worked together and they all worked as 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 a team and as Israelis. 
Mm-hmm. And the patients get the same treatment, of course. And the patients get the same treatment. Without exception. Uh, and, there were, and there were patients in the hospital of, 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 of all religions and of, mm-hmm. all, uh, of all things. This is uh, another, you know, when you hear, come to America and you hear about Israeli apartheid, I mean, it, it's obviously from somebody who's uh, never seen, uh, who's never been there, has never seen the, uh, the Israeli medical system or the Israeli social system in action. Uh, and, 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 you know, they're, they're morons. But, or, um, or wants to spread lies and take your pick. Exactly, right. or, or evil. I mean, right. or, or both. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, the, so but, uh, but, we, we, but that was the way it functioned and worked. Mm-hmm. And it was a, uh, it was honestly, for me, an honor to be part of, of, of this. And, and it was an experience which I'll always uh, remember. Um, so coming from a place of a Jewish mother, and I know you've been a physician for a very, very, very long time, and I'm sure have lost patients. But, you know, as you said, they're coming in, it's a brother coming in, even though they've never met, right? Because that's how it is here in Israel. Every single soldier is, is maybe two degrees separated from each one of us um, and could be our boys. So there, there had to have been situations where you couldn't, you couldn't save the soldiers. Had the doctors just like put themselves somewhere else? They just deal with the situation, leave their emotions for another time, and just do the work at hand. Well, I have to tell you this, uh, with no small measure of pride, that during the two weeks that I two and a half or so weeks when I was there, mm-hmm. we did not lose one patient. Wow. Any patient who arrived to that hospital at Barzillai, mm-hmm. probably due to the expertise of the overall staff. Mm-hmm. That wasn't me. I'm talking about this. Right, right, right. And, and because I was a very small cog in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the we would, and, oh, a patient reached the ER during my time. I can't say what happened after. I don't know right. uh, so much. But I do know that during my time, we lost no one. Wow. So anybody who arrived to the hospital mm-hmm. was able to be served. Now, with that said, that is life and death. That is not to say that some of these uh, kids lives had not been permanently altered and not right. to the good right uh you know for every per, uh, for every for every soldier or every civilian that gets injured in one of these uh a larger number have injuries which are may not be totally fixable mm-hmm. yes they survive uh for instance we had one soldier who had multiple gunshot wounds uh, and one of them, unfortunately, hit a spinal uh, lower spinal cord. Yes. So yes, we were able to save his life. We were able to, uh, you know, prevent him bleeding to death and mm-hmm. sew up all the holes in his belly, and everything's fine. But he's never going to walk again. Right. We have quite a few, possibly right uh, in the thousands of uh, soldiers who are now in wheelchairs, either whose one or both legs were blown off or who've been paralyzed. That's something that Israel's going to have to deal with on a very intensive level. Um, already starting now, obviously, but after the war, because every one of those soldiers, of course, has a circle of family and of friends, and and all of that, of course, changes. So right now we're in the middle of the war, and we we talk about those who were killed, and there are funerals every single day. But as you just said, there are, there are many people blinded also, whose uh, whose lives are really irrevocably changed, um, and. Uh, yeah, so that that's pretty amazing, though, that you were able to save so many lives. Do you have any any particular stories? Again, as we said, without any identifying features that you can share with us, anything that stands out? Well, there there was one one uh, when I first got there. 
as I said, we first had a we had a couple of uh, people who were still uh, hospitalized uh, that were um, involved in the October seven. Mm-hmm. There was one soldier who was one of the early responders, um, you know, to to the to the massacre who was there, and um, and actually he was uh, firing or he was uh, in, confronting some of the Hamas uh, perpetrators, and he was shot. Uh, through his eye, and the bullet traversed down through his windpipe and his food pipe oh and through his chest. And so he had a complex injury. Uh, he obviously lost the eye, was not recoverable. He had uh, some facial reconstruction uh, done so that his, at least his face would look normal. And mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, that was actually quite, uh, uh, he was operated on, obviously, about a week and a half or two before I arrived, because that was when October mm-hmm. 7th occurred. Mm-hmm. He had done some work on on getting his food pipe and his windpipe in order, mm-hmm. and uh, so when you had these multiple multiple injuries, uh, which were because of bu- bullet uh, bullets traverse and and deflect and go in different directions, and this was a young a young fellow who like uh, who's who's luckily he will ultimately recover from his breathing and his feeding, mm-hmm. but his eye is gone. Right, um, and 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 the. And, you know, and the when the family visited and uh, whatever, it was really a a you know a moving type of situation. And really, this was the first soldier that I had taken care of when I arrived, because mm-hmm. like I said, there wasn't that much activity from that perspective going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and then, and then the another one which I remember very uh, very clearly. Was was I mentioned to you? If uh, this fellow had fallen off uh, the the his right. battle tank, and he was sort of like a high a high ranking uh, a, a person, and then and and he was lying there, and, and obviously I think he fell off trying to avoid a uh, you know a, a an RPG or some other right. type of a soul that was attacking that was targeting targeting his vehicle, and uh, and then and at his bedside. There was this uh, a, a rabbinic-looking person in a, in a military uniform with a with a with a long beard, payas, yarmulke, right. uh, with full military uh, garb, and I thought this was some sort of like a uh, a chaplain or visiting, mm-hmm. you know, the the soldier. The soldier also was a uh, was a uh, was a from individual had a had a knitted kippah, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it, it turned out that the fa- this was actually. Um, his uh, the, the who I thought was the chaplain was actually his father, wow. who was also a, I think a colonel a general or some high ranking, mm-hmm. not not he was not really a a, a clergy at all, but yeah. a high ranking military combat soldier. Wow, uh, you know a, a, a battalion or a division or whatever whatever mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. mm-hmm. um, leader, and 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 you see and you see this and these are the people that are fighting for us and with us. And it was it was a, a really a uh, you know a memorable memorable time. Yeah, we have uh, we have quite a few fathers and sons fighting together there because of the you know miluim what we call the reserve duty, and sometimes they find each other on the cashier you know on the short wave, or sometimes they just run into each other in the middle or they know where they are and and some of the scenes that have been publicized are absolutely incredibly moving. Um, what's also 
hasn't been publicized that much is how many, you mentioned high-ranking people, is how many officers have fallen. Because in Israel, there's what's called a charai, after me. The officers aren't sitting in the back and sending the soldiers out. They are leading the soldiers into battle. And uh, many of them are paying for that with their lives. Um, it's almost, you know, every, every day when we have a cluster of soldiers who were killed, it is very rare that one of them isn't an officer. Um, and it, I think it says something very deep about the Israeli army. Um, I'm not going to send you in to do something that I'm not doing myself. Uh, and and that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's exactly scary. true. Now, the other thing I wanted to uh, bring up is where we stayed. I stayed in a hotel in Ashdod. Right. And, um, and the hotels, as you know, because of the war, hotels were relatively empty. There mm -hmm. were no tourists in Israel. Everything was, was, uh, was, 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 uh, people couldn't get and the people didn't want to come because of right. all the rockets and things. But in my hotel, there was, uh, in addition to me, a bunch of people who are the uh, who are refugees, who were displaced, who's who who were actually evacuated from Ashkelon, uh, evacuated from the uh, the the bordering uh, uh, communities to Gaza, who, whose houses were destroyed by rockets, and uh, who really it was no longer safe for them to stay there for a few, for the uh, for future rockets, and so they were staying in these hotels, and they had essentially nothing with them. Uh, it, uh, Hotel was putting them up. I think the uh, the government was paying small amounts for this, mm -hmm. eating them. I was eating with these people at night when I came home, and I tried to spend some time with them. But to see how little kids who are you know were were, were who's were, were going through this, and and this was where what their life was was really a uh, you know a very very heart moving uh, uh, situation. Right, it's still going on. The hotels are still full of people, not just from around Gaza. But from the north, because exactly. that's on a low level, but going to blow up at any minute a situation. So there is a line up north where everybody has pretty much been evacuated from those communities because the Hezbollah is shooting at them. So we have a lot of internally displaced refugees uh, in the country. And right, the tourists aren't here, but the hotels are full of them. So um, and I know I know from the tremendous outpouring, there are people who did stay in Ashkelon because I'm on an Ashkelon WhatsApp list whom I know every single day were sending sandwiches and food to the Barzilai Hospital where you were working for the staff. Understanding that the staff, such as yourself, weren't getting any sleep, were working like crazy, and, uh, and not everything could be supplied. And so a lot of the people in the community were making sure that, you know, that things, and I think they're still doing it up until this day. Wasn't the hospital itself hit a couple of yeah, times? Yeah, that was what I was going to tell you. Mm -hmm. The hospital was held, has when I got there, I learned a little bit about the hospital. And when I first got there, they took me around. And there was, uh, there is a sort of a corridor. And on that corridor, they had made a museum of the remnants of rockets that have hit the uh, the hospital over, and or since since Hamas has been rocketing uh, this over the last almost uh, eight nine years. Right. And um and 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 you see a bunch of of shells. Uh, that have actually hit this hospital over the years. Mm -hmm. I, I have photos. In addition, uh, the day before I hit the hospital, uh, there was uh, actual uh, there was a hit, and I have a video actually that was that was given to me of the response to that hit uh, of it hitting the hospital and and destroying parts of it, mm -hmm. uh, which led the hospital to evacuate their upper floors where their normal patients' floors are 
where they have nice windows, views of the ocean and things, which are very helpful for patients to recover. Right. They were all to an underground uh, 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 to an underground basement uh, uh, patient ward, where uh, certainly you, there are no windows. It's not such a pleasant for recovery, but it's much safer because you're not. If you get a rocket, then you're you're in a bunker. You mm -hmm. you'll survive. And all the uh, the major functions of the hospital were moved from the upper floors to the lower ones. Uh, the operating rooms are are concrete reinforced, so they were they were uh, essentially safe from from bombs. Uh, but some of the other floors were not, and they were moved to a lower areas where they could be evacuated much more quickly. Uh, you know, uh, like ICUs and things of that sort. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then the and and men and we had multiple sirens while I was there, where the hospital itself was targeted but was not hit. The hospital itself was hit maybe seven or eight times uh, uh, over the last few years, and a few times in the last few months. Uh, and it's interesting that when an Gazan hospital gets hit by a Gazan uh, Hamas missile that becomes right. international condemnation of Israel, yet you you never you ne I never I did not hear of any international organization describing uh, Barzillai uh, Hospital being hit by Hamas missiles, which is obviously a major war crime. Yeah. And more than that, we have found out that the hospitals in Gaza, and there were 31, which is really a nice number of hospitals for one little area. Um, so they're not as poor and you know devastated as people are going to make it out to be. But many of them were themselves bases for terror. A lot of the doctors were Hamas operatives. Uh, tunnels underneath the hospitals. I mean, these certainly weren't just uh, places where people went to get healed, but places where terrorists actually worked out of, as opposed to the Israeli hospitals who exist solely to help people heal and to save their lives, uh, every single hospital. And of course, most of the Israeli hospitals have unfortunately had to build underground versions of the hospitals um, because the enemy targets our hospitals. They target the civilian hospitals. And so in order to continue saving lives, a lot of it, it has to go underground. I've been in quite a few hospitals in Israel where the parking lot, you go into the parking lot underground, but that parking lot can quickly turn into part of the hospital itself if it has to. And that's just the reality here. And I think it shows a tremendous difference between Israel and our neighbors on uh, how we sanctify life, everybody's life, and how they sanctify death and uh, how they're doing what they can for no other reason than to destroy the Jewish state. And here you are, as someone who didn't have to be here, Steve. You know, and you come in and uh, you spend a few weeks doing this. Uh, so first, of all, I want to express my appreciation for that. I've told you that off off uh, off podcast. But I'll tell you that again. It's not, you know, it's it's not as they say in Hebrew, move on, love. It's not taken for granted that you would do that. And uh, I know that there's other physicians who've done that as well. People have been in contact with me to ask how they could come. I'm sure after this podcast, other people will ask, is there still a need? Um, for foreign physicians, do you know to come in and volunteer for a couple of weeks? I, I think there is, and mm -hmm. I think that it's it's uh, it's it's um, specialty specific. Okay. Uh, they don't, you know, certain certain specialties are are not are not necessary. Other uh, specialties are are right. Um, I'm I'm going to be able to perhaps in February. Uh, I have to do a little work around here to justify my being at my hospital. Right. Uh, and my hospital, I just want to put a shout out to Maimonides, uh, is that that my team and the hospital was very supportive of my of my uh, being able to be absent and be in Israel. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the Maimonides team actually uh, assisted um, in 
procuring uh, tourniquets, which are medical uh, surgical tourniquets, which are used as by first responders, stop bleeding on extremities, on arms right. and legs until they can be brought to the hospital. And those patients who have had, you know, injuries to the ear with bleeding injuries so mm -hmm. that they don't bleed out before they're brought to the hospital. And our hospital was able to supply uh, the first responders, I think primarily in the north where they, they were needed uh, to, uh, you know, to help that. So the um, so I was actually very gratified that everybody uh, uh, you know was 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 okay with me going and 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 covering my my absence, right. and then hopefully maybe in February if uh, if there if if I'm needed, hopefully I won't be, but right. uh, this will all be over mm -hmm. and Hamas will be eradicated. But um, uh, but uh, if if so, I'll 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 make an I'll I'll come back if if there's still a need. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Thank you so much. Any any last words that you'd like to add? No, I think we've covered pretty much <laughs> most of everything. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I, I I just think that the uh, the outcry from uh, of Jews around the world was actually very gratifying right. uh, that that we had here. Uh, but you know, but even when when we have something good, the um, the emergence. Uh, particularly here in America, of the young and the universities in response to this was it was actually very chilling, yes, and um, and revealing, and at least knows where we are. Our next battles here uh, in diaspora have to be uh, have to be directed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I say that as an Israeli, we're kind of worried about you guys, but that's a that's a different podcast on a different topic. Uh, Dr. Stephen Herman, thank you so much for coming here, for always being willing to step in, and uh, because that's what our people do. We're there for each other in good times and bad, and right now is one of the bad times, but we'll get through this as well. Uh, so I just want to thank Tabitha and Ben for helping put the show out every week, and um, thank all you guys for listening. Uh, I've been trying very hard in the past few weeks to really put out shows with people who can give a different perspective. And I know from some of the letters that I've gotten from you that you appreciate that as well. I'm going to keep trying to do that. And we're going to keep the faith and keep being encouraged and looking at the good and, um, and just sending prayers for speedy recovery to all the injured, for no more deaths on the battlefield, and for um, Hamas and the Hezbollah and the Iranian leadership and the Houthis and all those really bad guys who are, start, who are messing with the Jews and messing with all good people everywhere. This is not just our problem um, to somehow not be able to do so anymore. And I don't care how that happens. So uh, Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. Thank you to everyone for listening. And I hope you are well wherever you are and that I will be back next week. Take care, everybody. And goodbye for now. <laughs>